Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I met my wife at 15 at Richland High School in North Richland Hills, Texas. And the very first words I said to her when I went up to her, I said this, in 10 years from now, we're gonna fall in love and get married. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, I didn't say that. <laughs> some of you, some of you were believing that, weren't you, yeah. God knew what was going to happen 10 years. I had no clue because in high school, we both played on the tennis team, hung out a bit, and then we went to colleges in different states. I came up here uh, to Arkansas and she stayed in Texas. And during that time, while we were in high school, we weren't believers. And what's crazy is that we both became believers in two different states at the age of 19. And after I, and we kind of kept in touch during college, just a little bit, not much. And then I came back to Dallas to go to seminary after college, and I started doing a little ministry in a place called Duncanville, Texas. And while I was out there doing ministry, she decided to come and hang out a little bit and do some ministry together. And then 10 years later, 10 years later, we got married. It was God's plan all along. There's this passage in the, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 16:9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I became a believer at 19. That means I had six years of Christian singleness. And I didn't just sit around and think, okay, I'm just going to sit here until I one day get married. I'm just going to sit here and wait and do nothing. No, that was six years that God was teaching me how to be faithful, how to walk with Him, and in His plan and His sovereignty, six years after becoming a Christian, we got married. But it was six years just waiting and be, trying to be faithful. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I know that many of you right now are in this season of life where, where you're waiting. You're waiting kind of like for some, some news, uh, a breakthrough. Maybe you're waiting for a healing. Maybe you're waiting to move. Maybe you're waiting for an end of a crisis. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship to be reconciled. And I know some of you, you're just waiting, you're waiting to die. You're ready to be with Jesus. Many people are here waiting. So the question is, while you're waiting for things to unfold and heal and reconcile, what do you do? God's sovereign, but what do you do? Now think, here's some encouragement for you, okay? This is what, this is what you do. While God is working out his mysterious sovereign plan, we are called to be faithful and trust him. God's got a sovereign plan. Your role, be faithful and trust him for today. We're going to see this amazing story of two people just being faithful 
and, and trusting the Lord while the Lord is just crafting his plan for their lives. And it's going to be beautiful. But at this point, they don't know it, just like you. So let's look again, Ruth 2, Ruth chapter 2, at this amazing love story of Ruth and Boaz, both of them walking in faithfulness to the Lord, and eventually the Lord is going to have them get married, and they're going to have a descendant eventually, and his name will be Jesus. Amazing story. But while God's working out his plan, they're faithful and they trust him. So let's go ahead and jump into the book of Ruth. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. You know, some stories and plays and TV shows have uh, flashbacks. And some have flash forwards. And the more confusing shows have flash sideways, like an alternate universe. <laughs> this one right here is a flash forward because the author is giving you a glimpse of the person who is going to be involved in turning around the fortunes of Ruth and Naomi. And his name is Boaz, and he is of Elimelech's clan. Elimelech is the dead husband of Naomi. And I want you to notice the character that is mentioned here. It says he's a man of great wealth. Another translation would say he's a man of standing. Maybe your translation says he's a worthy man. Of course, he's a wealthy man, but I think this is pointing at also he's a man of character. He's a man of strength. He's a man of competence. Guys, this is the guy you want to be like. Boaz is a guy you want to emulate no matter where you're at in your life. There's a lot of people in this world, obviously, you don't want to follow, you don't want to be like. And it, and it makes me think, I mean, just to kind of just put it to you vividly, uh, it makes me think of my three goats. <laughs> I have three goats, uh, a mama goat, a baby goat, and a billy goat. And the billy goat, the guy, you would think he would run the show. But when it's feeding time, he goes and smashes heads with the baby goat and the mama goat. And if the mama goat doesn't get away, then he'll run and get a running start and charge right into her side. He's not a billy goat. He is a bully goat. <laughs> but he's not so tough. Because when predators come along, because we should have more goats, baby goats than one, because when predators come along, he's hiding. And we've lost a baby goat to some predators because he's a chicken goat. <laughs> so I want you to think about your life. Don't be like my billy goat. Be men, men with integrity, men who protect, men who serve, men like Boaz. Continue on, verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Make sure you understand this. Naomi is back. She has nothing. She's lost it all. Her husband's dead. Her two sons are dead. She's only got this daughter-in-law of hers who needs to go and make provision. So she asked her mother-in-law, 
Look, I need to go out and make some money. I need to go out and find a way to provide for us. Let me go out and glean in the fields. Now you're thinking, what, what does this mean? I really have to explain to you what this wonderful Ruth woman is doing, all right? She's going out to glean among the ears of grain, all right? So here's the idea. Bethlehem. It's just fields and fields and fields of grain which would provide food. Now, the owners of these fields would have these reapers who were excellent in the work. So they would have the sickle in their hand. They would grab the stalks. They would whack it. And then they would grasp the stalks and gather the grain and have it bundled up. Now, these reapers were pretty efficient. But as they're, they're gathering things up, there are spots of grain that would drop all over the field. Now, just a little bit, just a little bit. And if they dropped something, they weren't to pick it back up. They were to leave it there. And the stuff they left in the field was for the poor to come and pick up the scraps so they could provide for themselves. In fact, this was commanded in the Old Testament. For example, let me read this to you. Leviticus 19. Maybe you've never heard this word. Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. It says, Now when you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So the way God would provide for the poor is he made provision for them to come in to the fields that are not reaped all the way to the edges and to pick up the, the, lot, the drop grain and to take care of themselves. The way I think about it is when we lived in Chicago, we would have these big metal trucks come through the alleys and they would pick up scrap metal and, and sell it. They're not going to get rich off of that, but it's just a provision for their families. And so you, you have Ruth. She's like, can I go out and try to take care of us? I'm going to go out into a field and I'm, I'm going to glean. And I want you to understand as she, as she takes off and she goes out and she's, she's trying to glean, just understand this. Not everybody is on board with this provision biblically. There are many, many landowners that are evil. By the way, this is the time of the judges, remember? Where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So she decides to take a risk to go out and she starts to move through the fields. All right, verse three. Oh, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Ruth. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Oh, I love that phrase. If you want to underline your Bible, feel free to go for it. And she happened to come. And she happened to come. This is God-ordained terminology. Ruth is not calculating in her gleaning. Understand, these are patchwork fields. There's not fences. She's just moving from field to field, patchwork to patchwork. And it says right here, she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. All she knows is she's just putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. She's being faithful. She's showing up. She's going to take care of Naomi. And somehow, she ends up in the field of Boaz. And we know from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 24, a man's steps 
are from the Lord. How then can man understand his ways? Isn't that great? A man's steps are from the Lord. But how can he understand his ways? Because all Ruth is doing is putting one foot in front of the other and being faithful. Their situation is destitute. They're the lowest they could possibly go. And she shows up to be faithful. There's been a lot going on this past week in, in my life. And I've been hit with some stuff where I'm like, you know, I'm not quite sure what to do now. And so all I know is to show up. One foot in front of the other. In fact, I don't need to think about tomorrow. Just what is the next step I need to take in this hour, <laughs> in this morning, in this afternoon? And I know some of you are going through some of the similar things. You don't know what's going to happen. You feel pretty destitute right now. You're like, what am I supposed to do? Well, you're here this morning. That's a good step. Think about the next step after this morning. Just take that step, that step of faithfulness. Say, God, I don't know how you're going to work this plan out for me, but God, I'm just going to be faithful and keep stepping. And that's what Ruth was doing, faithful and just kept on stepping. And, and you're never going to guess what she did. You're never going to guess who she met in this field. Verse 4. <laughs> now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Can you imagine showing up to your work and doing that? You'd be so fired. <laughs> what a man of integrity. I mean, these are, these are reapers. These are rough guys in the field. And they, and they say, the Lord bless you. I mean, his, his integrity is out there. He's a, he's a godly man. And now it's time for, for Ruth and it's time for Boaz. These two godly people who are making revision, putting one step in front of the other. Now it's time for them to finally crash into each other. Verse 5. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reaper, whose young woman is this? In our culture of love stories, we like to think of love at first sight, where the, where the guy sees the girl, and then everything starts moving in slow motion, and he falls head over heels for her. That's probably not what's happening here, because let's be honest, Ruth probably looks nasty. She's been out working in the fields, She's sweaty. She's a mess. And I want you to notice the question that he asks. He asks the question in verse 5, whose, not who, but whose young woman is this? What kind of question is that? Whose young woman is this? Maybe he wants to know her employer. Maybe he wants to know what clan she belonged to. Or maybe he wants to know who she is married to. Don't you think it's a great question? Because the answer of whose young woman is this, the answer to that is, oh, in a little bit, she's going to be your wife. Isn't that amazing? Verse 6. The, the servant in charge of the reapers replied, oh, she's, she's one of the young Moabat women who returned from, with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She's been sitting in the house for a little while. I love it. Ruth's got this reputation. Godly woman. Oh, so that's Ruth. Oh, that's Ruth. Oh, you know, she came from Moab. She's taking care of her mother-in-law. She just went out and, and she's just doing her work to care for her mother-in-law. And it just her character is known. Her story is known. Now it's the moment we've all been waiting for. 
for Ruth and Boaz finally to meet. But before they meet, I don't think you understand the situation they're in. I don't think you fully grasp how, I don't know if the word is inappropriate, or how unbelievable that Boaz and Ruth are about to talk to each other, let alone get married. I want you to understand their station in life. Understand where they're at in the hierarchy of the social life. Right? So I've got this little chart for you. I'm going to put this chart up that I learned from Paul Miller about social status in Israel. Do we have that chart? Because I don't have a slide for it at all. All right. This is the way it works. Let's start with the top. we got the king or the judge of Israel. That's number one, high on the social status. Then you have the tribal leader, whoever would be the head of the, of the tribe of Judah. Then we have the clan leader, whoever's the head of the clan of like Bethlehem. And then we have a clan subgroup leader. Now, this is Boaz's status. Or maybe he's number three. Maybe he's the head of, of the clan. But he, so he's pretty high on the ladder, okay? So move on down. Then you have the older father. And that's like the grandpa. And then you have the father, Elimelech. In this case, Naomi's husband, he's dead. And then you have the eldest son. He's dead. And then you have the son. He's dead. Let's keep on going down. Then you have the wife, Naomi. She's number nine on the list. Then you would have her daughter. She doesn't have a daughter here. Then you have a male servant, female servant, female servant, lower class, resident alien, male foreigner, female foreigner, Ruth. You got that? So Boaz is way up here on the social status. Ruth is at the bottom, the very bottom. And yet, they're about to crash in each other. Watch what happens. Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. First off, he wants her to stick around. Don't go to any other field, but stay close to his young woman. And these, these women, they'll be in charge of bundling the grain left behind in the pile. And, and Boaz is saying, okay, I want you to be connected to these younger women that are working here. More instructions. Verse 9. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Back then, some of the gleaners, the poor that would go and glean, they would get a little stingy and try to gather way too much. And so the workers had to sometimes just beat them off. Like, get out of here. You're taking too much and beat them off. And so what Boaz is saying is saying, uh, Ruth, get your full. <laughs> you can get as much as you want. I want you to be provided for. I want you to be aggressive. I want you to get more than your fair share. And I don't want you to be afraid of these young men hurting you. And he says, I want you to have some water. You don't have to go off looking for water. I'm going to provide for you. Boaz is graciously looking after Ruth. And what you have here. If you want some grace in the Old Testament, this is a picture of God's grace. Boaz is offering Ruth. We just saw the scale there. Boaz is offering Ruth above and beyond what she deserves, and he's offering her above and beyond what the law required. And what's so amazing about this grace is that eventually Boaz and Ruth are going to end up together in the line of the Messiah who has given us far more than we deserve. I mean, what is it we deserve? 
We deserve death. We deserve destruction. We deserve wrath. We deserve hell because of our sin. But what do we get? Through Jesus, we get life, conquering death. We get forgiveness. We get grace. Do you understand how amazing God's grace is? Ruth does. Look what she says in verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why? Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? It's a good question. Why? Why, Boaz? Why are you treating her so favorably? Why would you even bother with her? She is totally blown away by his grace. She doesn't understand why. So Boaz explains. Verse 11. Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. Boaz explains that he knows her. He knows her reputation. And I don't know if we could say this. I think he's attracted to her character. Now, if in my last church when I would speak to the girls of the, the college age, this would really connect. I'm not sure so much here, but it would really connect. Because girls who are wanting to get married are wondering, what is it that we do to, well, how should we be? Well, right here, right here. A woman of character. A godly woman, a woman who loves Jesus, a woman who walks with the Lord. That's who you want to be. Focus on that. Focus on a woman who loves Jesus. That's the character you want. This is what's attracting Boaz. Verse 12 May the Lord reward your work and your wages. Be full from the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is, this is great. Oh, man. Under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. Under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. I love it. So vulnerable. But she has sought shelter. All this image. She has sought shelter shelter under the wings of God. Like a small chick under the wings of a hen or an eaglet under the wings of a parent. Ruth has sought shelter under the refuge of God. God has been taking care of her in His strong wings of grace and is going to start to rebuild her life. Let me share with you uh, an image that I, I read in a book and I, and I think it's beautiful. And it says, where the eagle moves, I will move. Where the eagle moves, I will move. The idea is that Ruth turned away from her parents, turned away from her homeland, turned away from her gods, and she sought refuge under the wings of God. And where did God move? Well, God moved her. The eagle moved her out of Moab. The eagle moved her toward her mother-in-law. And God was crafting in his sovereignty and in his, his shielding love. He moved her out into the fields in her faithfulness. And the eagle moved her just to the plot of Boaz. Because God has a plan. And all that she was doing is putting one foot in front of the other 
to be faithful. And I think that we're very similar to Ruth. We're vulnerable, vulnerable in our sin. And by God's grace, we have taken refuge under the wing of God in His mercy and His forgiveness. Did you know that Jesus uses this, this terminology in the New Testament? You guys remember that? Jesus used the same terminology in the New Testament. Let me, let me show it to you. Matthew 23, 37. The same metaphor. It's beautiful. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. The way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. We want to be willing to take refuge from sin and judgment in Jesus. In Jesus, we have deliverance from the controlling power of sin, death, and Satan. And we want to say that we are people who are under the wings of God in the finished work of Jesus. And as followers of Christ, we want to say, where the eagle moves, I will move. Where the eagle moves, I will move. Which means is God is sovereign. We got refuge in Him. And all we know is the next step. He's sovereign. He's got a plan. I don't see it. All I know is I need to be faithful today. I need to take the next step today. That's all Ruth's doing. She's just showing up. Faithfulness. And you may be going through some crazy stuff right now, and I don't have answers. I don't know the future, but it's got to be the next step for you, the next step. Where the eagle moves, you'll move. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it today. And I was just saying I had this, this crazy week, and it's not the week that I, I had planned since last Sunday, and it's, it's been a lot that's been going on uh, family-wise. Um, three things happened this week that just kind of threw me off. Uh, the first thing, we found out this week for sure that my, my wife, she has to have surgery for a tendon she tore in her foot. Not like a partial tear, a completely torn tendon in her foot. And you're thinking, well, how did she do that? Well, she did it in the lobby here. She just rolled her ankle. It's, it's like a pastor's wife injury. It really is. <laughs> yeah. And we found out for sure she's got to have surgery. But here, here's, here's what's really hard. She has to be off of it. Like you can't walk on that or drive for six weeks. How's that going to work? <laughs> My wife, she's really active. Like, how's that going to work? And I, I don't, like, I mean, what do we do? Like, one foot in front of the other. Well, my wife doesn't put one foot in front of the other now, but you get the, you get the idea, right? What is it we do next? And so that, that hit, hit earlier in the week. And then, oh, man, um, one of my kids uh, here in the area, he, he, got, he got cursed at. And he got cursed at in a very horrific way, and I, I don't want to—I cannot share what was said to him. But he got cursed at for being a believer. I mean, my kids—you know—they get made fun of a lot of the occasions in their life. Got seven kids, there's always something going on, but never at this level for being a Christian. And like, okay, how do we navigate and clean up from this? What do we do with this? What's the next step? And and then to top it off, I don't know if this is the worst thing. I don't—I don't know what. I have an 11, my wife and I have an 11-year-old son in Missouri. You guys have been praying for him, and he's at a school up there. And I'm not going to get into it, but he had some issues 
that were so, I don't know, caused him to be moved. So he, he's, he's, he was moved midweek from one town city to another, from one part of a school all the way to the other. And, and like, we didn't anticipate that at all. And I'm thinking, you know, with these three situations, I don't know what the future holds. I'm not even sure what to do. All I know is like it's just time for one foot in front of the other. That's all I know. I mean, that my situations are not even close to as bad as many of the stuff that you're dealing with. And I, I don't really have solutions for you. I don't, I don't know what the future holds for you. I don't know if the healing's going to come. I, I don't know these things. But I do know today what you can do is you can remain faithful. You can just show up and be faithful to do what you need to do today. And wherever the eagle moves, you move. Whatever God's wanting you to do to be faithful, whatever obedience looks like today, just do that. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. And you start thinking about tomorrow, you're going to get even more worried. So don't even mess around with that. Be faithful today. Because we're people who've taken refuge under the wings of God and Jesus, right? We've taken refuge in Him. And I, I need that reminder. I need the reminder big time. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.